0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome
1: to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Khaleesi. With me is Jonathan Barron. And today with us as well is Steve Barningham, the Director of International Scouting for the Mets, Really exciting period for Mets fans because the international free agency period just opened up. We've seen some signings come through. And Steve is here to kind of walk Mets fans through what that process means, what it entails. So, Steve, do you want to give fans kind of an introduction to what international free agency is?
0: Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, first of all. Um, The international uh, free agent market opens January 15th for the 24th season. Um, What that really means is any players that aren't eligible for the draft uh, are eligible for the international pre-agent market. Um, Basically, the draft encompasses uh, United States, Canada, Puerto Rico, everything outside of that, if the player is registered, he's eligible for the 24 class if he's 16 years of age.
2: And Steve, you just mentioned 16 years of age. So that really kind of makes me wonder, when you're evaluating talent, how do you guys try to project what a 16-year-old or a 17-year-old is going to be when he turns 22, 23, 24 years old?
0: We kind of work off of a tool base versus a skill base. Um, and then obviously we uh, look at the body type, the frame, the athleticism. Uh, we we obviously meet the family, uh, go through the bloodlines, etc. But um, it's not an easy process. Like You have to kind of uh assume that they're going to put on 20 pounds maybe 30 pounds um and kind of you know look into the future a little bit see how the frame might look um with that kind of added weight and strength
1: i know you started your career with the mets back in 2005 as a domestic scout correct
0: well i started with Oakland a's in uh 2003 and i started um with mets omar brought me over uh Late 2005, my first draft domestic was 2006.
1: Is there any difference in how you would evaluate and scout domestic talent versus international?
0: The domestic player is kind of more of a skill-based player. You're hoping to get like a tool, uh, tool set, but uh, internationally it's more of a tool set player um, that you're hoping to get some skill set player. I don't know if I explained that right, but uh, domestically, is, is they're a more skilled player. You're, you're hedging your bets a little better. Um, they're closer to the big leagues. They got more feel for the game. Internationally, you're dealing with the best athletes uh, in those countries. Where in the United States, our best athletes don't play baseball. Um, they typically play football and basketball. So when we go into markets like Dominican Republic, Venezuela, we know there's, we're seeing their best athletes. So we're kind of hunting this huge ceiling um, of uh, tools.
2: Vito and I had a chance to talk to Drew Toussaint speaking of the domestic draft back in June and he kind of told us a little bit about the process when it begins, it's more than just a year, so I'm wondering if it's the same thing for international. Obviously the 2024 uh, period has just opened. When do you guys start scouting and thinking about guys that you're going to be targeting for the opening of the period, every kind of cycle?
0: So, I I got this job in uh, January of 2021 um and this is the first uh, class with our scouting group. Um, so it, it was a three year process uh, coming into this. This is the first class that we've had as, as a group, as a, as a unit that um, w- was not interfered with by any, you know, committed players or, you know, um, actually, we basically had a full bonus to work with to answer your question about three years in advance.
1: All right, let's use that as a segue to go over some of the guys in this year's class. And uh, Giovanni Rodriguez is a great place to start. One of the bigger names in this year's uh, international free agency. A catcher who we've read has an incredible advanced defensive approach for his age. Uh, Why don't you tell us what you guys saw in him?
0: Well, so just to go back to, he's he's got a, a very large tool set and then with this player, obviously, the skill set's th- through the roof, too. He's very advanced for his age. Um, uh, it's interesting you talk about the defense. I think that was the last thing to develop. His, his bat's what got our attention. His bat-to-ball skills are incredible. His contact frequency is through the roof. Um, later, as he you know matured, his power started to come on. This guy, um, he can hit. He uses all fields. Um, he's got power to all fields, uh, especially pull side. Um, His pop time home the second um, is, you know, top of the scale. Um, His arm strength is through the roof. We're talking about a 60, 70 arm strength. Um, But really the greatest thing about Giovanni is he's very humble, disciplined, um, and he loves the game and he really works at it. Um, Just to see him progress over the last couple of years has just been really kind of inspiring. I'm very proud of him as a worker, uh, as a human, um, he's got a great support group, and um, we're obviously super excited about him. I think this is a, a five-tool guy uh, behind the plate. Obviously, the speed's gonna back off, but right now he's running anywhere from six eight to six seven uh, in the 60-yard dash. Um, that'll back off, but this guy is athletic. He's physical um, and he's smart.
2: You mentioned the pop time. If you read about Giovanni Rodriguez, you read a lot of comparisons between himself and JT Real Muto. And all of what you said kind of explains why he received the largest bonus in Mets history. Now, he's obviously a catcher. And if you go back, you look at some of the past classes. The Mets have really invested in catchers, obviously. Francisco Alvarez being one of those. Is there something about the position that the Mets put this emphasis on both domestically and internationally to find good catchers?
0: Well, so... Yes and no. So it, we work up the middle, right? The premium position is, is kind of where your larger bonus go. So shortstop, catcher, center field um, gives you more options with position flexibility. Um, the catching thing is kind of a coincidence where we just kind of had a run of catchers. Um, but when I took this job in 2001, we did load up on a lot of catchers. Um, what we were finding was like the attrition rate the DSL was actually higher than our pitchers. So our catchers who are 16, 17 years old were breaking down faster than our pitchers. Um, and you just can't develop pitching without catching. Um, so we addressed it immediately. So there's been like this surge in catching, which obviously will slow down. But um, the the biggest part of like the numbers coming across is just, hey, we, we got to develop pitching and we need some guys that can do this. Um, and the, we were fortunate to kind of run into a string of them in a row.
2: Another guy you mentioned up the middle and building that way, Edward Alantigua, another top 50 guy in this class, signed by the Mets. Talk a little bit about him and what excites you about himself.
0: Well, the, the body kind of jumps off, right? Like he comes off the bus, looking in the park. He's um, got a large frame, he's very lean. Um, but the biggest thing, same thing, is like this guy um, can really hit. He's got real control for the barrel. Um, he knows the strike zone. Uh, the powers come on pretty greatly. He's got pull side pop. Um, he's a 60 runner, um, throwing now at average, maybe a little bit above. so we're, you know, this is kind of the, the splash kind of center field type guy that you're hunting. Like, Hey, this guy's going to have a great body. He's going to be able to drift in center and, uh, maybe produce some power, but, uh, for sure we were excited about him, but, Number one, it comes back to just contact frequency, control of the zone, um, and then, you know, uh, premium position, athletic tool set that uh, also comes with a pretty good skill set.
1: I think another big name from this class is the son of a Hall of Famer, Vladdy Miguel Guerrero, uh, plays the infield and the outfield out of the Dominican Republic. Uh, Obviously, one of the first things you see in that person is the last name, but obviously, there's so much more to a player than their last name. So, again, do you want to give us some insight on him and what brought you to to that signing?
0: Yeah, Bloody, he's a great kid. You know, super nice. Like, um, he's got a great. Uh, kind of approach to life. He's kind of got a little bit of a carefree attitude. But um, when he steps in the batter's box, he comes alive. It's this super interesting guy that we tracked for years. Obviously, his last name is Guerrero. Every time you go to the you know, Guerrero Academy, you see him. Um, he's, you know, uh, when, when we first saw him, uh, a little bit out of shape, but more hitter than defender, um, more hitter, power hitter than athlete. Um, but we're kind of excited about his pr- progress over the last couple months. So this guy's really dedicated himself. Uh, the defense has gotten way better, but the, the biggest thing for us is like when he got in the batter's box live, he came alive. Like he has great at bat. He's got more plate discipline than uh, you would expect. Um, he can reverse the barrel like crazy. He locks the ball to the pole side as easy as anybody at that age. Um, So, you know, we're kind of betting on um, the bat here. Now, when we went back and looked at his brother's, you know, um, track record and reports, etc., it was kind of a similar description where didn't really uh, have an emphasis on defense, didn't really have a position, body was a little out of shape, and, you know, um, the brother obviously surfaced in the big leagues in a big way. So we are kind of like, hey... Let's give it a shot. This guy, uh, he's hit for us every time we keep showing up. Our scout, uh, Wilson Peralta, did, did an amazing job. stayed on and stayed on. it. he kept saying, hey, all he does is hit. All he does is hit. At what point are we going to commit to this and uh, give him a shot? And um, you know, ultimately, uh, we, we came to an agreement with him and the family. And uh, I think we're all excited to kind of see what happens. Now, it's a huge amount of pressure on, on a kid, but, um, you know, I, I think he might just have, like, the, the the right attitude for it, where he's, you know, uh, kind of carefree and uh, selects to hit.
2: And he got the lefty gene, which is interesting. Obviously, big yeah. brother and dad were both, or are both righties. And it was nice to see Vladimir Sr. finally holding up or being in a photo with a Met jersey, something <laughs> I hoped I was going to get in 2002 when I was a young <laughs> fan, but... Um, it was nice to see that full circle moment with uh, with Vladi Miguel joining the Mets Another guy we want to ask you about Yancy Rivas an infielder. What can you tell us and Mets fans about Yancy Rivas? So it's
0: kind of similar right like uh, Yancy, um, as at uh, Nina's Academy and um, We first saw him in Mexico. He's there touring and uh, he could flat-out hit and he was a little undersized at the time He was probably about 5'8 um, But he could he could hit and uh, had control from the barrel, for the barrel from both sides of the plate, shrunk the zone, showed um, kind of uh, uncanny pop for his size. I think we tracked him for a while. We came back like a year later, and um, the guy's six foot tall and uh, physical. We're like, hey, how do we get involved in this? And at the time, we were like, well, he's probably got to play second base. Um, you know, he's, he's not the kind of athlete that you typically think is gonna be in center field. And at that age group, you never really know what happens. Um, so we stay with it, we stay with it. And you know, uh, as we stayed with it, he got a little taller, a little taller, a little faster, uh, arm strength grew. So um, we always loved the hitter. Now he's standing at shortstop. He's holding his own at shortstop, um, really kind of advanced um, and showing the arm strength that we were hoping for. It's really come on late um and we're pretty excited about him this guy from both sides of the plate if you see the swing it's just uh pretty pure he's kind of got this born to hit look to him shrinks the zone um got a real good feel for the game has a quiet confidence about him um really exciting type player is just uh kind of mature right in front of our eyes
3: hey rob bradford here you guys know i'm always up for a good mvp story and one of the best the power of their data wasabi, another Boston based championship team.
1: Now, as we're getting towards the end of this class of twenty twenty four international free agency, why don't you tell us a little bit about Bo Adderley, an infield and outfield guy plays shortstop and center field.
0: Yeah. So Bo Adderley uh, he was the best player in the Bahamas this year. He's six three, um, about two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um This guy's just uh, a super athlete on a terrific frame. Um, We're going to send him out in the infield. He can play some shortstop, maybe some third base. Um, But uh, he was probably the best athlete I saw this year. Um, Just can really go. uh, He's 6'5", 6'4", type 60 guy. Um, Arm strength is average, uh, but his power is off uh, the charts. It's huge raw power um his live at bats um they're really good he uses all fields he has some plate discipline knows how to shrink the zone a little bit Uh, will take a walk he's not this super free swinger for that kind of uh, body type he has some discipline now look it's a huge huge tool set that's what's super exciting about him is the the body the athlete the position um, but when you take a player from a country like the Bahamas, you know that the skill set's going to be behind. These guys don't play on a, a domestic-type schedule. They don't play on a Dominican-type schedule uh, or a Venezuelan-type schedule. So they're limited to what they do in the summer, and so in the summer they come to Florida. They play as many games as they can and probably a two-month span, um, but that's where his skill set's going to come from. His library of at-bats is going to be well behind but his tool set is splash all the way so we're excited but also like hey th- this is going to take a little time
2: obviously there's a couple of uh behemoth players that we know about one of those being Jazz chisholm in the national league east another one antoine richardson now retired he's actually the mets first base coach so we've seen a handful of guys from the bahamas make it to the major leagues but that that really brings a question that i want to ask you and that's the globalization of the sport and how that impacts People like you, when it comes to international scouting, you watch the World Baseball Classic team, Czechia sent a team and they were competitive. You're seeing talent from different parts of the world that 20, 30, 40 years ago, you wouldn't even think about. So how does that impact a scout, especially on the international level, trying to really unearth different diamonds from places that aren't traditional baseball hotbeds, if you would? Right,
0: so we have a reach, but our bread and butter is always gonna be Dominican Republic and Venezuela. Um, But we have scouts in the Pacific Rim. We're aware of what's going on, obviously, in Korea and Taiwan and Japan. Um, We obviously, we scout Australia and we go to Europe. Um, We have a reach out there, but our our bread and butter is going to be Dominican Republic, Venezuela. Um, That's just kind of our philosophy right now. Obviously, we're you know, doing all the prep work we can. Um, there's going to be an occasion just like Bo Adderley where we go off of that um, kind of map. But um, look, we're, we're reaching out. We want to make moves out there, but also we want to make calculated smart moves.
1: So before we move on and talk about some guys in previous year's classes, uh, why don't we talk about the final player in this year's class, LeAndy Maya?
0: So yeah, Maya is um, a shortstop Dominican Republic, this guy can run, he can hit, um, he's got some power. He's a little undersized compared to some of the others. He's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, but this guy had the best bat speed I saw on the island. Um, he loves to hit. And he's got power, um, developing a shortstop, can play up the middle, um, more likely second base. But this guy can whistle the barrel. Um, that was what was super exciting about us. His, his metrics were off the charts. And uh, we really kind of like his – uh, live at bats like this guy's in there he's very competitive he wants to hit he wants to punish the baseball um, so super exciting kid for us uh, to get late in the class because you know at, at that point that his metrics were off the charts his live at bats were tremendous um, his feel for the game is very good he's gonna steal some bases he's gonna he's, look he's gonna attack the game he's an offensive threat
2: So these are some of the very many exciting guys that the Mets just signed. There are many more parts of this class. So congrats to you and the team on a fantastic class that you guys have brought in. Now we want to talk a little bit about previous year's classes. Some guys that we saw made their pro ball debut last year. Vito and I spent a lot of time looking at the DSL Blue and Orange teams from last year. And a couple names that stood out to us, two in particular. One was Julio Zayas, who you guys signed in 2023. He was on DSL Orange. And then Brandi Olio who was on DSL Blue and really had somewhat of a breakout season. Can you tell us a little bit about those two youngsters? And before you do that, we just want to remind everybody, you can subscribe to this
1: podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. Future of Flushing, where every night we were going over every single minor league game for the Mets, every single level, telling you what you need to know, who you need to watch. And a lot of these names we're about to go over
2: right now. Like John said, we went over every single night. That's a professional plug right there, Steve. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get back. Let's get back to the programming. Julio Zayas and Brandon DeOlio.
0: So Z- Zayas can just flat out hit. I, I don't know. Really, um, we can dig out in a little bit, but he can flat out hit. He whistles the barrel like crazy. It's as natural a hit um, a- as you'll see. There's there's nothing really to the mechanism to adjust. He's just up there um, and looking to turn the thing loose. He um, he doesn't chase. He's got a smaller strike zone. Um, but the, the bat speed, the, the bat strength um, is incredible. Um, so, you know, hats off to player development. Um, they, they, I, I thought it might be a long shot for him to catch, but he's really come along. Um, it's really coming together. Um, he can also play some third base. Um, but this guy can hit, and pretty exciting right-handed hitter. And uh, uh, you want to go into Bronny? Yes, sir. So, yeah, Bronny uh, is like the pro- t- prototypical shortstop body. He's lean, super athletic, can run. He's got a sure-handed glove. Uh, he's got plenty of arm strength. But what really kind of jumps about him is his contact frequency. Um, he doesn't strike out, controls the zone, puts the ball in play hard. Very, very smart player. Can play shortstop. Um, and, look, we don't know what Bronny's going to look like with another 20 pounds of strength. Um, but I think the power is going to come on. He's a pretty exciting player, but for sure, sure sure-handed defender, and he's going to give you a professional at bat. All
2: right, Steve, before we move on to 2022 and some guys that really made an impact in the DSL last year, there's one more bonus guy I want to ask you about. Not a player signed by the Mets, but a guy recently acquired by the Mets, and that shortstop, Jeremy Rodriguez, who the Mets acquired for Tommy Pham. And after coming over to the Mets organization, Rodriguez was one of the best players in the Dominican Summer League. So obviously I'm sure you guys got your eyes on him before he ultimately signed with the Diamondbacks. Just wanted to see what you could inform us and fans on Jeremy Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so we saw him for a couple of days. Um, obviously our scouts saw him for a long time. They, they did an amazing job. So we roll in there. The guy can flat out hit. He can really hit. So what's was really interesting about Jeremy, when we saw him as an amateur, probably saw him as 14, 15 years old, um, I didn't think there was a chance he could play shortstop, right? So he was a little, it, it was a totally different body type. So it was super interesting. We make the trade. I was like, hey, we love the bat. Obviously, that, all that stuff happened way above me. They didn't ask my opinion or anything like that. But um, we acquire the player. Uh, I run into the DSL. We see him, and I was like, yeah, that's not the same kid. He, <laughs> I don't know if he grew an inch, two inches, but now he's standing shortstop. He can play shortstop. He can run. Those are two things that we had questions about, but we always thought he could hit. So we we're pretty excited to get him, right? Like he just rolled into the place and he can play shortstop. Um, and his barrel control is elite. And he's got room for another 15, 20 pounds. Wow. This guy might be a. But yeah, he's pretty exciting. It was a great get. They did an amazing job.
1: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
2: yeah it's incredible there's so much talent up the middle like you talked about it's how you build a team catcher shortstop center field and the mets are littered with talented players at these positions throughout all levels of the minor leagues and that's a testament to you guys and all the great work that you guys do
1: so to move on to the 2022 class, um, one player who was one of the biggest storylines that we talked about every night on Future of Flushing was Jeffrey Rosa, who had what seemed like a Babe Ruth of a season in the Dominican League. Um, do you want to tell us about what it was like not only scouting this guy, but then seeing him just perform the way he did this past year?
0: Yeah, so Jeffrey Rosa is a great story. Um, our scouts did an amazing job. They they loved him for months um, and just stayed on it. So when I would go see him, uh, all he would do was hit, he'd hit a couple balls out of the ballpark. He's got huge, huge raw power. Um, what's really fun about him, his arm strength's come on like crazy. So, um, you know, where he's kind of a corner player locked in, he's now a corner player with huge arm strength and huge power. Um, he's, he's just a fun kid. Uh, got a chance to repeat the level, got his at bats and, um, kind of found this momentum and groove where everything they threw at him, he had a chance to hit out of the ballpark. It's pretty amazing. Uh, Just locked in. uh, I think 15 home runs the most that uh, anyone in the DSL from the Mets has ever, you know, hit. Um, But he's a worker. Put his time in. um, And, uh, you know, proud of him. He had a great year. Put himself on the map. Um, You Hope all your players do something like that
2: yeah exciting to hear he obviously with his great season took home some hardware at the end of the season the dsl complex player of the year the dsl complex pitcher of the year that award went to lefty uh franklin gomez who actually came over late in the season made his stateside debut but that was after a great stint in the dsl what can you tell us about franklin gomez
0: well he's super super athletic like this guy um like he's kind of off the charts on our uh, strength metrics and agility metrics. Um, but the, the biggest thing I can tell you is he's a late convert. He you know, played the outfield up to about six months before the signing period. Um, he just got on the mound when we committed him. Um, he put his full time uh, and dedication into developing as a pitcher. Um, our development guys did an amazing job. He bought in. That's probably the biggest thing. He bought into movement patterns. He he bought into the the touch in the field. He bought into the bullpens. And um, man, he's a worker. Um, and he's super athlete. So that combination gives you a chance, especially if you're left-handed. He's a kind of a strike machine. He's got feel for breaking ball, feel for a changeup. Uh, fastball's got a little climb to it, and it's getting better. Like that. That's what's super fun about him is um, he's just now like getting innings and getting feel for how to pitch
1: now the dominican academy um which has been around for a f- uh over almost two decades now and just seen so much growth you want to tell fans the importance of this outside of just a baseball perspective and how incredible it is from um just in an outside the game point because these these players actually get an education and get to get degrees and get to have aspirations outside of just baseball
0: I think the first time I saw the complex was in 2005. Um, that was our old complex, the Um and um, Omar and I obviously came in and made it a priority that we we move out of Boca Chica, we built the state-of-the-art complex, and um, we really started to attack um, some of the development parts of uh, the Dominican Republic International. Um, it, Obviously, Omar did an amazing job. It's kind of a copycat now. I think probably all you know, 20 of the 30 teams have a similar complex. Uh, now it's been obviously close to 20 years. Um, but our education system is uh, second to none. Uh, Neski Liriana, um, she runs the education process. Uh, I can glow and glow, but I'll just give you the stats. So last week we handed out 164 uh, degrees and certifications. 43 of those were high school diplomas. It's pretty amazing. There's only about 105 kids uh, come through that complex per year. Um, and she's had a huge impact on each one. So um, I think that's um, one of the proudest th- things we can say is like, you know, we're giving an opportunity to play in the greatest city in the world, but we're also providing you with education. We're going to give you a foundation to, to take for the rest of your life. Um, we've had, uh, Kids uh, graduate from college uh, there at the complex. Um, just a really, really neat thing.
2: That's amazing. That truly is incredible. Um, so you mentioned Omar Minaya. And Omar Minaya was the general manager of the Mets for many years, including 2006. And in the 06 draft, there was a player taken in the 13th round who, I guess nine years later, would put the Mets on his back, leading them to the World Series. And many fans at the time might not have been aware of the backstory, how the Mets discovered this player. And of course, I'm talking about Daniel Murphy. Now, Steve, before you got into international scouting, you were a domestic scout. And uh, legend has it, you kind of put your hat on Daniel Murphy's success. You were the one who scouted him at Jacksonville University. Um, and obviously, all the great things that came to come, large in part were thanks to you and your belief in Murph. So. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the story with Daniel Murphy when you first saw him? I know that the, correct me if I'm wrong, he used to say, I'm Daniel Murphy and I hit third. When other guys would say, I'm so-and-so and I play this position or that position. Um, what made you fall in love with Daniel Murphy? And talk about your relationship that you developed with Daniel Murphy during the years.
0: Thanks for asking. That was the first player <laughs> I signed with the New York Mets. That was a good um,
2: one. That's a good start.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's been like 18 years uh, since then. Um, so nothing ever happens individually, right? So like we signed Daniel Murphy. There's there's a whole uh, leadership group that has to um, give you some trust and some leeway. And Rudy Trasis and Sandy Johnson did that. They uh, I had only been with the club a couple months, and um, they they believed me, or at least they were willing to to give me a shot with this player. But that was uh, probably my favorite player of the class. Um, he could just hit. His bat the ball was uh, as good as I'd seen. Um, part of being an area scout is getting to know the players. So um, I took him to lunch, and, you know, it was two hours of him just talking. And if you know Murphy, if you if you bring up the topic of hitting, he's just going to go. And you just got to let him go. Um, and I think after about two hours, I was just convinced. I was like, this guy knows more about hitting than – than than most of the guys i played with or played against. Um, So that was kind of the biggest thing is, you know, he never struck out. That makes it easy. Um, And this guy knew hitting, and he certainly believed in himself. uh, And I I liked all those qualities. Um, So Daniel and I have been uh, pretty close for this this whole run. And uh, I still talk to him about every two weeks. I'll still run ideas by him and – Obviously, he's still running ideas by me and still trying to hit. Um, And he's got, you know, four kids, and he's teaching them all how to hit. Uh, He doesn't stop. it just He is relentless. He's in this relentless pursuit of hitting. It's pretty incredible.
1: Did you get a chance to talk to him last year when he was trying to make another run at Major League Baseball?
0: Yeah, I actually saw it. Um, So we – I saw him in January. I said, you got something here. You know, but he's trying to emulate like a, a old style Beirut swing, or swinging through the front side, and he had all these kind of old school ideas. He he just wanted to try. Um, so I, I thought independent ball was a, a good place for him. Um, ultimately, he he signed with the Angels. Uh, so um, coincidentally, my my family and I, when we had a break, we we went to Park City and we saw him. Uh, we got to see him play. Uh, and my youngest got to, got to see him play where they'd never seen him. Um, and you know, obviously we spend, you know, uh, some time with him. So, uh, they were excited to see him play. Um, he was like a a slight tick behind on time. (laughs) Uh, the, the years off kind of got to him, but, um, man, it was fun to watch him play.
2: Well, it's been really fun getting to talk to you and really learn more about, all the talent that the Mets have acquired both this week and really over the years. um, The Daniel Murphy story, I think, is a really, really good way of kind of contextualizing just how much goes into finding talent that one day helps you win those pennants, helps you win those World Series championships. So, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. Congratulations on this uh, international free agent class, and we look to speak with you down the road.
0: Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking some time and interest in international scouting. We appreciate it.
1: And you can subscribe to Future of Flushing everywhere you get your podcasts. You can listen to us on the Mets' YouTube page. That means Apple, Spotify, Overcast. Literally anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all in the future.